0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. This past Reformation Sunday, the children here at Faith sang Jesus loves me while making a joyful noise to the Lord with handbells. And Phil sat at the back of the sanctuary, beaming with a smile on his face that would make the angels envious. Faith in Jesus may at times seem complicated. Our trust in his love so often challenged by what we experience. And yet, at root, it really is just this simple. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Jesus loves me, he who died, heaven's gates to open wide. He has washed away my sin, Let his little child come in. And so he has. Phil has come into our Lord's eternal kingdom. And we may take great comfort in what we have heard. Little ones to him belong, not the great, But the poor in spirit, not the pompous and the powerful, but the weak, not the arrogant or the mighty, but those who are not ashamed to be called children. And behold what manner of love the maker of the heavens and the earth has lavished upon us that we should be called children, children of God. We are unashamed to confess our sins for the very same reason that we are unashamed to have the casket of our brother Phil led in by a processional crucifix. Chief of sinners though I be, Jesus shed his blood for me. Greater love has none other than this, that he would lay down his life for us and call us his friends. Jesus shed his blood for Phil, for all of us, precisely because Jesus is love. And every heart may look to him on his cross and say, Jesus loves me, this I know. We also see the way of our Lord's love in the gospel accounts that Paula and Elizabeth have selected for today, how it is that the Lord deals with doubting Thomas and with Peter, who had denied him three times. What do we see? Our Lord does not chastise or berate or humiliate or shame. To the disciple who doubts, he says, put your finger into my hands, put your hand into my side. Be not faithless, but believing. These are the wounds by which I have bought you. These are the wounds by which I have loved you. Know that it is I. And Thomas responded as we ourselves do, My Lord and my God. To the disciple who denied him, Our Lord also turns in mercy. Three times Peter denied him and thus three times is Peter restored. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Not only is Peter forgiven, but our Lord bestows on him the pastoral ministry to feed the very sheep for whom the good shepherd laid down his life. As the evangelist notes, there are so many other and similar things that Jesus did, should they all be written, The world could not contain all the books. But these things are written, and they are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you, like Phil, may have life in his name. Jesus loves you. This you know. For the Bible tells you so. We see the way that he loved Thomas and Peter, the way that he loved tax collectors and sinners, the way that he loves Phil and all of us. Our Lord Jesus is meek and lowly of heart. And if he would have even the likes of us attempt to forgive one another seven times 70, how much greater, how much more perfect must his forgiveness be? It is this love of Jesus, love for sinners, little ones, weak ones, children, that caused Phil to smile that Sunday. And he is smiling even now, face to face with this same Jesus, the one to whom we all desire to go. That smile tells you probably all you need to know about Phil, who he was, And who he is. It's probably the most important thing about him. As you peruse the biography of Phil's life. Wonderfully written by the way. Included in the back of your service folder. As you recollect your own memories and experiences with Phil. It would be impossible to ignore the love of Jesus. That was shining in Phil and through Phil. Often, Phil was the first to greet you. Some of you who are here in these pews, your first impression of faith was just that, Phil greeting you. He was often the first to ask genuinely how you're doing. He was often the first to say a kind word. He was often the first to encourage and leave you with that word of encouragement. Throughout his life, Phil drew people to himself. People who would love him and support him unto the end. Dear family, dear friends, the love of Jesus was shining in Phil and through Phil. How could we see it otherwise? Perhaps the strangest and most wonderful thing about our lives is that in the end, they aren't actually about us. That's right. Our lives aren't about us. We aren't here to celebrate Phil's life, of which Jesus was merely a part. We are here to celebrate Jesus' life, of which Phil is a part. In the end, every one of us will come to see that our lives were far less about what we did and what we accomplished, and far more about what our Lord Jesus did for us and what he accomplished in us. What do I mean? It was Jesus who knit Phil together in his mother's womb all those years ago and gave him as a gift to his parents. It was Jesus that baptized Phil, claiming Phil as his own, washing all his sins away. Indeed, that's why we have a white pole with a cross on it draped over Phil's body. Phil has been clothed, the scriptures say, in the righteousness of Christ that covers all his sin. It is Jesus who has done this. Jesus who said, I am the resurrection and the life. Though you die, yet shall you live. That painting you showed me, Paula and Elizabeth, the burial ground with all the dark browns and grays of sadness and sorrow on account of death, straight through the middle of that painting is bright blue sky. For my part, I like to think of that as our Lord Jesus, rending death asunder. Death will not have the last word. The bright blue sky of his salvation and eternal life will. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Death will not have the final word. And that is what we are all gathered here to proclaim unto one another. It is Jesus who will raise this body on the last day, just as Jesus himself is risen in his, a body glorious, glorified, uncorruptible. It is Jesus who will fulfill the words of Job, and he will fulfill them for Phil and for all of us. I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth, And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. The story of our lives, from birth to death, and beyond, is the story of what Jesus has done for us. It's the story of Jesus loves me, We aren't our own, we are his. We are the clay, he is the potter. And what he is working in us is so glorious that the sufferings of this present time, St. Paul writes, are not worthy to be compared to that glory which is to be revealed to us. The story of our lives is not finished. The love of Jesus will triumph in our flesh and in our souls in finality. It was Jesus who gifted Phil with his intelligence, with his wit and his determination. It was Jesus who gifted him with his kindness and his tenderness, his gentlemanly way. It was Jesus who opened the doors for Phil's academic and professional accomplishments. It was Jesus who used Phil to mentor and care for so many in their personal and professional lives. It was Jesus who caused Phil and Paula to meet, where else? But on a Sunday morning, in his own church. That very church where, a few months later, he would join the two of you together in the mystery of holy matrimony. That they might reflect the glorious love that Christ has for his bride, the church. It was Jesus who made the two into one flesh, gave them the apple of their eye and their heart's desire, a daughter, Elizabeth. And what was Phil to all of you? Was he not given into your life by Jesus? Phil loved all of you and loves you still. But of course, not without his sense of humor. I hope you don't mind if I share this story. But you related it to me that Paula and Elizabeth, you were sitting on either side of Phil and a nurse asked him what level of pain he had and he looked side to side and said, well, which one? (laughs) (laughs) A man who could make such a joke could only do so if he was certain that you knew how much he loved you. And unforgettable words of wisdom, he said to you over and over again, implanting them in your heart for this day and every day. Remember, God is watching over us and taking care of us. God was and is. He is the center, not us. And what comfort there is in this we belong to his story, we are the work of his hands. And even if we can't understand what he may be doing, even so we know that all things work together for our good. That is true even in death. Through death, we are being conformed into the image of Christ. First conformed into his death, that we might then be conformed into his glorious resurrection. We talked, Paula and Elizabeth, That painting titled, The Body of the Dead Christ of the Tomb by Holbein the Younger. We reflected on how Christ conforms our bodies to his body, sanctifies death, sanctifies the grave for us. We die with him. We are buried with him. We will rise with him. We will triumph with him this is why St. Paul can write, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And there it is once more. The love of God In Christ Jesus. Jesus loves me, this I know. Do not mourn as those who have no hope. Your hope is the sure and certain hope of our Lord Jesus. It is he who shapes not only our lives, but also our deaths that we might be raised into his image for all eternity. Blessed are those who die in the Lord indeed. Blessed is our brother Phil. And I can comfort you with no better words than those words of Phil himself. Remember, God is watching over us. God is taking care of us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.